It's just a jump to the left, and then a step to the right. With your hand on your hips, you bring your knees in tight. But it's the pelvic thrust, they really drive you insane. Let's listen to Zach's Spooktacularathon again. Just a couple of quick warnings before this episode. It will contain talk of sexuality and explicit language. So if you're not on board with that, feel free to hop off. It will also contain spoilers for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So if you haven't seen it, uh, feel free to go watch it and come back. It's about an hour or 40 minutes, I think. And otherwise, stick along with us. It's a great film. Pretty fun talk today. Hey, you film fanatics. Welcome to another episode of Zach's Spooktacularathon, the podcast where I ramble on about horror films I'm trying to watch because I'm horrified of horror films. Uh, today, I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it was great. It was just what I needed after watching Goodnight Mommy last night. Uh, last night, if you listen to the podcast, I had some trouble watching Goodnight Mommy. I thought this podcast might be over, but we recovered. We recovered today, and we took on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Arguably, not really a horror film, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, We're going to start off with a plot summary. Now, usually throughout a film, I take notes, and I use those notes for my plot summary. Now, this film, I've seen it a few times. I did not take notes, so... This is going to be kind of off the cuff. I might miss a lot. We'll see what happens here. Might involve a lot of editing. We'll see. Uh, You start off at this wedding with this couple that we don't really get introduced to. But at this wedding, there's another couple. uh, And that's Janet, played by Susan Sarandon, classic actress. And the male in the relationship is Brad, played by Barry Bostwick. Yeah, they seem like a pretty bland couple. Brad seems a little nerdy. But we we learn about them along the course of this film. Uh, One night, they're out on a drive. Now, honestly, I don't remember where they're driving to, but they get stuck in this storm, and they have to figure out where to spend the night. Uh, And their car starts to kind of break down. But they see a light on in this castle-looking place. So they go up there. They're like, maybe those people can help us. And they enter this castle, and they're led inside by this butler named Riff Raff, who kind of seems like an Igor character, if you're like familiar with Frankenstein at all. But they meet this guy named Riff Raff, who decides to let them in. And they walk in on this party. This party has a bunch of people. Most of them are dressed in drag clothing. And they sing this song about a time warp that I still have no idea what the meaning is of that song. So if you want to let me know what you know about that song, that would be great. You can message me on Anchor or through my social media in the description for this podcast. But they sing the time warp song. And then we are introduced to Dr. Frankenfurter. Now, Dr. Frankenfurter, played by Tim uh, Tim Curry, not Jim Carrey. Uh, Tim Curry plays Dr. Frankenfurter, who is a transsexual 
transvestite from Transylvania, I believe. I believe that's all the descriptors we have for him. But he brings them up to this lab where he is working on a new creation. And the new creation is this perfect man named Rocky. And once Rocky is unveiled to the world, and by the world I mean all the people in this castle, this guy named Eddie, played by Meatloaf, we'll talk about that because I can talk for a long time about Meatloaf, Uh, but this guy named Eddie comes shooting through one of the walls on a motorcycle and starts wreaking havoc. I don't really know what he's doing. He's just kind of dancing around singing a song. I guess he kind of starts to cause damage along the way. But then Dr. Frankenfurter puts a stop to it and ends up killing Eddie because Eddie is not the perfect man. And Eddie, for some reason, can't live because Rocky has to live. At that point, we get to nighttime and Brad and Janet are sleeping in separate beds, apparently. And Dr. Frankenfurter joins both of them throughout the course of the night and tricks them both and makes them jealous of each other. Uh, After that, some more craziness happens and we're kind of left not really knowing what's happening, but Rocky kind of escapes and the two butlers, Riff Raff and Magenta, are left kind of dealing with that damage. I think they actually release Rocky. It's not the most clear. Uh, Then we cut to a scene where this other doctor, this rival doctor named Dr. Scott shows up, uh, played by Jonathan Adams. And he shows up and then they enjoy a nice dinner. And it's revealed that the dinner is actually Eddie, like body parts of Eddie. So the people start to freak out. And then once they're done freaking out, Dr. Frankenfurter decides to use this like freeze gun. It's called like a Medusa transducer or something like that. Medusa ray or something, but it freezes them. And then he decides to dress them up in cabaret costumes. And then he has them perform. And then at the end of the performance, Magenta and Riff Raff reveal themselves to be also aliens from Transylvania. So they're somehow connected with Dr. Frankenfurter and they decide that he needs to go home. Um, Or they say they're going home. But then Dr. Frankenfurter freaks out and he's like, you're going to take me home? And then toward the very end of the movie, they're like, we weren't talking about you. We were just talking about us, but now we're going to kill you. And then they end up killing him. Rocky freaks out carries him up this tower, kind of like a King Kong moment. Uh, But he carries uh, the dead Dr. Frankenfurter up this tower. Tower collapses. Riff Raff is constantly shooting Rocky. So he seemingly dies. And then everyone is just freaking out. And we cut to this narrator that we've seen throughout the film. And he basically tells us that humans are terrible And that's the end of the film. That was probably a really bad retelling of this film, so maybe go watch it yourself. But it was worth a try. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll talk about a few things coming up next.
So a bunch of you are probably rolling your eyes going, this is not a horror film. Why did he watch this? Well, to be honest, it was on the schedule anyways. But after watching Goodnight Mommy last night, this is just what I needed to get back into horror. I promise you there will be more really scary movies coming up. Uh, but I think this was a transition I needed. Also, we'll just be watching some Halloween-esque movies. And this is a very influential film. Um, I myself would not qualify it as a horror, but I guess you could qualify it as a horror musical and it has horror elements. Um, maybe it was more scary in 1975 when it came out. Um, but this is just all around a fun film. I really enjoy it. And I just, I think it has influenced a lot of, of culture. Uh, there's these cult screenings of this film. This was actually ranked as the second top uh, cult film of all times in Entertainment Weekly. Um, but there are some great traditions going along with this film. I saw this film at a cult screening at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, Washington. When I was in college, I am uh, 26 right now at the time of recording this, but I saw it when I was in college. The Neptune Theater does it every year, uh, assuming they'll still be able to do it after COVID. I guess we'll see what happens, but they do it every year on the anniversary of their grand opening. And it's a fun time. You got to see this in a cult viewing just for the experience at least once. It's always late at night, uh, usually after 11, usually starting at 12, but you know, small towns can't always keep people up that late. Um, it's also cool because there's usually some live performers as well. So that really enhances the viewing. The costuming in the film is very different than you'll see in a lot of other films. It's very burlesque. Now, it could be a horror film because it plays a lot off of Frankenstein. So I guess it, it just depends on how you define a horror film. This is a creature feature. Rocky is technically a creation, and he is a creation of half of somebody else's brain. So that's interesting. He's half of Eddie's brain. They do eat human in this film, or they serve human to other people in this film. So that's scary and disgusting. That's something commonly used in horror films. Um, you have a very scary dude named Dr. Frankenfurter who just murders people a lot throughout the film. Like he murders Eddie. He tries to murder other people. He has this freeze gun. That's pretty scary. Uh, and then the film is also surrounded with aliens. So that's a pretty common theme in horror films. I was left not really knowing what the message of this film is. I don't know if you need to figure out a message for this film. But I think the message is just make what you want to make. Create what you want to create. And... I mean, live your life how you want to live your life. But a lot of the music in the film portray those messages. 
So that's that's kind of what I take away from it. You can let me know what you take away from it when you view it. I think that this film is beneficial to rebuilding community after the pandemic. This is a film that can bring people of all kinds together to learn and to enjoy. Uh, when I first walked into the theater, the Neptune theater to watch this film, there were people walking around with Sharpies and I was like, that's weird. Why are they walking around with Sharpies and writing on people's foreheads? And there were people yelling, who's a virgin? And I was like, that's a really uncomfortable question to just be asking a whole audience of people. But everyone was so open and it turned out they weren't asking about your sexuality. They were asking if this is the first time you've seen this film. I was not open enough to raise my hand at that time because there were just a lot of random people. I did see this with, I think, one other friend, maybe a couple other friends, but we were all very confused. And I just think that now, if I were to go view it again, I'd be much more open about the cult rituals of the film. So I'll have to give it another try. Maybe when the, the Neptune reopens, I'll go go see it again when I can. But I highly recommend it. We're going to take another break here. Talk about a couple more things in a second. Be right back. So let's talk a little bit about the characters in this film and kind of their ideologies. I was often confused by certain characters. Uh, first of all, Brad is a very straight white guy. And that's very clear in this film until he changes over the course of the film a little bit. But he is so off-put by Dr. Frankenfurter before Dr. Frankenfurter is really doing anything too weird. I guess he does have Brad kind of take off his clothes pretty early on in the film. So that, that would be weird. But Brad just seems like a very judgmental, maybe homo homophobic white guy. Dr. Frankenfurter, on the other hand, very open with sexuality, happy to sleep with Janet and Brad and Rocky, and it seems like everyone in this film. But I have some concerns with Dr. Frankenfurter. I think that he might be a racist because at times he's making these creations of the perfect man and the perfect man in this film is a blonde white dude, which is a pretty familiar thing we've heard of. He apparently also has this triangle. I didn't catch this, but I was reading about it. He has this uh, like pink triangle on his lab coat that I guess the Nazis also had a similar symbol. I think the triangle is upside down on Dr. Frankenfurter's coat, but on a Nazi uniform, it would be the other way. So that's interesting context. I don't know if that was intentional, but there's definitely some questions I have about Dr. Frankenfurter and his views on the perfect human and kind of his science views. Uh, for somebody that is a sweet transvestite from Transylvania, I would think this is a very open person, but maybe not. Uh, and then you've got Janet. Janet, pretty typical at first, 
Um, but then you're like, is Janet a cheater? There's a lot of jealousy in this film. Janet sees Brad with someone else. I think it was with Dr. Frankenfurter. So then it leads to Janet kind of falling in love with Rocky, but she kind of gives him googly eyes throughout the whole film. So I don't know if Janet is really into Brad or not, but she also very commonly does not walk around with clothes on. I don't know if that's because Dr. Frankenfurter makes her not wear clothes most of the time, or if that's a choice that she makes, like she might be a nudist. I don't know. But what I did learn is that Susan Sarandon, who plays Janet, said that she would not go nude in this film for one of the scenes. So that was a choice. There's not too much nudity in this film. There's a little bit. But for the most part, they're just wearing pretty skimpy outfit outfits. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that Susan Sarandon absolutely refused for that. But good on her. That's a choice that should be left up to actors and actresses, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we're going to take one more break. And then we're going to talk about meatloaf. And it probably won't be as controversial as what everything I just was talking about. So that should be more fun. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Meatloaf is the best part of this film. You can argue with me if you want. He's the best part of this film. I have an affinity for Meatloaf, and I have for a long time. Uh, it predates my college years. But I think if you listen to Bad Out of Hell, Bad Out of Hell 2, and many other albums by him, those are the two essentials you have to listen to. They are perfect albums. And Meatloaf comes flying into this movie like a bat out of hell. He has the best song in this movie. He probably has the best voice in this um, this cast. And, you know, he also provides a cult tradition, which is to eat meatloaf when you watch this film. Now, I have never made meatloaf before, so I did not make meatloaf and enjoy that during this film. However, however, I did make curry tonight for the first time ever, so that was really good. And we'll say I made like some Tim curry. It was really a Thai curry, but we'll call it a Tim curry so that it fits in with this film. I highly recommend eating some meatloaf throughout this film or some curry. Going back to meatloaf, I have Bad Out of Hell, the first one, on vinyl. I'm planning to get Bad Out of Hell 2 on vinyl. Uh, one way you can help me do that is by funding this. I'm just kidding. Don't. You don't have to help me with my vinyl obsession. I buy vinyls way too often, and I don't want you to support this podcast for my vinyl obsession. But I will say that if you do support this podcast, you can always donate on Anchor for even like $1 a month. And how that's going to help me is a lot of these films I've had to rent so far. So I'm pretty much going to go broke on renting these films. But... Do what you want. I'm not saying stop listening to this if you don't donate. That's just a pitch for me. Um, let's go back to Meatloaf, though. Meatloaf in this film was pushed in a wheelchair for effects. So that was really cool. He rides in on this, like, 
motorcycle. And I think you get like the coolest shots of Meatloaf in this film too, where he's like, it's like a close up of his face and he's being pushed in this wheelchair. So it looks like he's going really fast, but you can't see the wheelchair. It looks like he's on a bike. Um, another interesting thing about this cast that I found out is that Steve Martin originally auditioned to play Brad. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that probably would have changed the film a little bit. I think Barry Bostwick did great as Brad. Um, Barry Bostwick, interesting guy. I saw him in a Canon film recently. I can't remember the name of it, but Canon films are like these really old, not very good films uh, made by a Canon film company. They're like your old action films. Um, yeah, I think Steve Martin would have been a very interesting choice. I think he could have filled the role of Brad pretty well. Maybe Brad would have gotten more lines. Uh, to me, it didn't seem like Brad had way too many lines. I think that he has a great song in the beginning, but he's not a huge character in this film, which I'm fine with. Like, I don't think you need a big Brad character. You see the straight white guy in almost every film. So good amount of Brad in this. Uh, overall, I really like the music of this film. And right from the start, you're really caught. You're, you're dragged into the music. And you know this is going to be a weird film. Uh, it just starts out with these like two lips like singing. So it's a, it's a nice ease into what you're about to watch. I think the like narrator explains pretty much the whole film. But I still, it's beyond me. I can't comprehend the meaning of this film. I can't comprehend some of the plot of this film. It's a very quick film. It's about an hour, 40 minutes, I think. So it, it goes by pretty quick. The musical numbers definitely help keep my attention. I do think that the second half of the film drags a lot more than the first half. Second half is not as fun. Like the music doesn't kick in like the first half does to me. I also, so I watched this by myself today and really thought really felt that it dragged the second half when i've seen this with a crowd i still feel like it drags the second half a little bit but at the same time i've only watched this really late at night with a crowd so i wasn't sure if that was just sleep deprivation because usually once we get to the second half it's like 1 a.m and i don't stay up past 10 usually these days so yeah but overall i really like the film uh, let's see. What are we watching tomorrow? Tomorrow, we're going to watch a franchise film. Uh, we're going to watch the first of the franchise, because I've never seen it before. It's going to be Child's Play. So we'll learn about uh, the origins of Chucky, which might actually be a film in itself. I think there's a film called like The Origins of Chucky, but we're not watching that. We're watching Child's Play. I think that's the first Chucky film. So I think it might be pretty comedic. I'm excited though, because nothing's more fun than an evil like dummy, uh, except in Goosebumps. Goosebumps wasn't my favorite, but I think Child's Play will redeem that for me. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Hope you have a good evening. 
And if you choose to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show after listening to this, because it's about 11 p.m. now, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Heat up some meatloaf or some some curry and have have a fantastic evening.